The A5 Dis team has created a podcast to empower you, the learners we serve. This podcast features conversations that illuminate the topics that are important to you. It is our hope that you will walk away with new tips, tricks, and ideas to inspire you as a whole educator. What's up, guys? I'm Ashley Persley, and before we get started with today's episode, we wanted to share a little bit of background information. In early March of 2020, the DIS team traveled to Berkeley County School District for the Innovation Summit Conference. And while we were there, we met up with Mr. David Kelly to talk about his Bigger Dreamer productions, social media, and his favorite professional reads. I had the opportunity to work alongside Mr. Kelly as an instructional technologist in Berkeley. Berkeley County, which is a similar position to our digital integration specialist here in Anderson School District 5. David Kelly made such an impact on my work there that Danae and I wanted to bring his perspective and expertise to our own listeners. If you've ever attended one of his sessions, you know what I mean. The recording of this podcast episode actually fell on March 12th, which, as we all know too well, was right before we all went into quarantine. I say that because our focus turned away from the podcast as we work to support our teachers and students in their new learning environments. So we're bringing you into the conversation almost a year later because it was an awesome conversation. And if you're wondering what Mr. Kelly is up to now, he's made his way to the upstate working as the sixth grade administrator at Greer Middle School in Greenville County. Now let's get to the episode. Today, we've traveled to Goose Creek, South Carolina to attend the Berkeley County School District Innovation Summit, and we're joined by David Kelly, an innovative learning coordinator in the district. So hey, David, how are you? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? I'm great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Originally from Nashville, Tennessee, graduate of Claflin University uh, in the Call Me Mister program. Um, I taught for a couple of years in Orangeburg County. Uh, I taught fourth and fifth grade there, was a tech coach there. Then I came and was a tech coach in Berkeley County, and I've been in this current role of uh, innovative learning coordinator, um, or used to be called instructional technologist, for the last three years. What do you do in your role? Um, so currently I serve eight different schools, helping the teachers with different innovative practices, um, and implementing different innovative practices in the classroom, assisting administrators with different innovative ways to use technology just throughout their school. You threw out the word innovative a lot. How would you define innovation? Oh, innovative innovation is is thinking outside the box. It's taking what's there in the old and making it new. Let's talk about the making it new scenario. When you're making something new, does it have to be a thing or can it be like an idea? Yeah. Oh, either. You know, taking the idea, for example, let's look at instruction, right? Mm-hmm. So the old idea of instruction, the teacher is at the front of the classroom. The teacher is, I mean, not to offend anybody, is talking at the students, right? And the students right. are sitting there listening. That's how I went through school. When I was in school, that was what we had to do. Mm-hmm. And so an innovative flip on that could be, you know, this whole idea of personalized learning. So with personalized learning, instead of the teacher being the quote unquote sage on the stage, now they are more of a facilitator. Now 
the students are taking more ownership of their learning. The students are empowered to learn how they learn. The students' interests are implemented into this instruction. It's more student-centered. Mm -hmm. So innovative instruction, I mean, personalized learning is a great example of how we can innovate instruction. So taking that old idea and making it new and more effective. How are you empowering teachers to do that in their classrooms? A lot of teachers I work with um, this year, this year is Berkeley County's exploration year. We're pretty much just kind of getting our feet wet, trying out new things, trying to see what works, what doesn't work. So I've been working with a lot of teachers and this is elementary, middle, and high. Just trying to see what works in their different scenarios, in their different situations, with their different sets of students, mm -hmm. with their different content areas. You know, everything has its own unique spin that has to be put on it. I feel like that would involve a lot of risk taking. Oh yeah, I love risk taking. How do you encourage though? risk taking oh, and man. Uh, the opportunity for failure? So with teachers, one thing I've learned is, um, <laughs> they don't like to take a lot of risks. Mm -hmm. So one example, I was working with um, some math teachers. You know, math teachers, they want it cut and dry. Right. It is right or it is wrong. <laughs> there is not a lot of risk taking there. Either it's right or it's wrong. And one of them told me the other day when I was at her school, she said, thank you for being here to support me because for us, we needed to know whether it was right or wrong, right? And so what I was able to do for them was let them know like you know there is no right or wrong there is no failure really with this even if it doesn't look the way you want it to look let's look at the positives here right, right? Mm -hmm. what worked what did it work how can we improve so you know chance the rapper said in one of his songs you know turn those l's into lessons right yeah right so where we think we're losing we just got to look and see where are we learning here oh, you know wow, that's good your definition of innovation aligns with those found in George Curios's The Innovator's Mindset. He says that innovation is new and better. What is currently on your bookshelf? Oh man, so actually one of my resolutions for 2020 was to read uh, 24 books this year, so just two a month. Mm. I'm already on book six. The last book that I just finished up was The 21 Laws of Leadership. Mm. Um, that sounds heavy. Yeah. Oh, oh, it was powerful, it was powerful. Who was that by? Um, John Maxwell. Okay. So it was, it was powerful. A lot of it is stuff you already know. You just kind of need a reminder, and right. it's good to just be refreshed on it. But just, you know, being in leadership, mm -hmm. some of these things, some of these strategies, it's good to reflect on and, and see how you're practicing these different mm -hmm. skills, these different leadership skills. So that was a powerful one. Cool. And what are you reading now? Um, oh, let me tell you, another great book I just finished reading, too. Um, mm -hmm. It's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. Mm, I've heard of that. And that was a really good book as well, talking about how if we see something's not working, we want to add to it to make it better. But instead of adding to it using the law of multiplication, we would see how we can take what we have and be more effective and multiply what's there. So, for example, some teams may want to add more people onto the team if they see that we're not reaching enough people or we're not being effective enough. But instead of doing that, let's see how we can reach into what we already have and multiply the talents that are already there mm. to be more effective that way. Wow. Um, so that was a really good book as well.
and she looked at different businesses and education and just a lot of different scenarios and and how it could be applied in those different scenarios. So that was a powerful book. So it sounds like a lot of the things that you're reading, it's more of personal development that does tie into your job. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct. Okay. I understand that you have an endeavor that you're doing called Bigger Dream Productions. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that and how that came about, the evolution of that, and what you're doing with it. The evolution, that's a story in itself. (laughs) Um, Bigger Dream Productions, what it is now. I'll tell you what it is now and then how it got there. Um, What it is now, we have three main goals. One is to empower youth to see what they can be. Goal through that is to provide them with different entrepreneurial experiences and just different real world work experiences. Mm -hmm. So when they're 14, 15 years old, they get to have different apprenticeships and things like that to actually work the job that they think they want to do and explore it before, you know, kind of like some people my age, we went to college and got out of college and then, you know, went through all of this right. and had to work to figure out this yeah. isn't what I do. Yeah. Um, so allowing them to figure that out before they really have to make those big life right. decisions. Yeah. Oh, that's um, awesome. The second is to support teachers okay. through resources and, you know, professional development, things like that. And the third, because, you know, it takes a village, is to educate the communities. It started, I got the vision. Um, back in my freshman year of college and I wanted to actually start off with a um, like a sports league just to kind of have you know give kids the opportunity to play sports for free gotcha you know and they could play together that was the idea back then right and then it grew from there just over the last how many years I'm getting old about 14 years it's just grown from there, from just sports to just as my as I expanded and as I grew and as my passions have grown, so has the the idea of bigger dreamer productions. Awesome. So, how can our listeners get more information about bigger dream productions? All right. So, our website is in the works. Um, What's well, it's out there right now? BiggerDreamerProductions.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Bigger Dreamer Productions. Follow me on Twitter and my handle is at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. And we will also have that in our show notes for you guys. So that is BiggerDreamerProductions.com. Dot com. All right. So you said that the mission of Bigger Dreamer Productions is to empower students, teachers, and the community. Can you give us some specific examples of that? Right now, I'm currently in the process of um, filling out the 5013C, the nonprofit packet or so. But what I've been able to do so far, uh, for teachers, I've been able to do some giveaways, just like Amazon gift cards. We were able to buy some things off of some teachers' Amazon wish lists at the beginning of the year. We've been able to support some um, different companies, different educational companies when they go to conferences and things like that. Just kind of, you know, they and this is also on Twitter. They reach out. They say, hey, anybody out there like to sponsor or do something like this? Okay. And then, you know, we'll send them oh, awesome. something. To... Oh, um, so I do have some songs that I created. I started um, making music in the classroom my first year teaching because 
the story behind that, after Thanksgiving break, I was driving home to Nashville from Orangeburg, South Carolina. Nice little eight-hour drive. Um, and I was thinking, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen when we get back. Like, I was just, I was kind of feeling defeated, kind of. Um, and then there was a song that came on. I would say what it is, but it's not that important. Um, it came from the 99 and the 2000s. And I just remembered... Were they taking over? They were taking over. <laughs> they were taking over. Uh, and I got really hyped. And like I remembered every word to that song. And then it clicked. I was like, man, I still remember every word to this song. And this was 12 years ago or something. Right. And it was like, hey, we remember song lyrics. When stuff is put to a beat, it makes it so easy for us to remember it. So I sat there in, in the car on the ride home, started writing out the first song that we had. Um, so then I started putting it to beats. I turned my classroom into a recording studio. So the back half of the classroom was just for recording. Awesome. My first class, we recorded a whole album just for social studies content. Um, we had an album release party and we invited the fourth graders, well the, the third graders that year who were gonna be in fourth grade the next year. We invited them to come out and yeah, we just had a good time. And then the next year, that's what the kids expected. So it was good, and we had a lot of fun um, doing that. We made music videos and things like that, because that was what the students were interested in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I was even able to turn it over to them and make them the director. Have them, I taught them how to use green screen stuff before it was easy on the iPad. Mm -hmm. um, we had to actually use software on the computer and find the RPGs and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. And they had to go in and I taught them how to do it. So we had different groups. Everybody, every group had their own video they were working on and every individual in the group had their own task. And then all I had to do was be a facilitator and I was there for support. So you took your social studies content and this project of something that you were passionate about that your students also connected with and were you were able to teach the content through that. Right, right. And it was crazy because you would see them during when they were taking a test or something, like taking a pass, and they just start dancing and looking around. <laughs> and in, in my head, at first, I was like, what are you doing? But then I, I, you know, you could see their mouths and what they were word, um, mouthing. I was like, oh, okay, I got you. And it worked. All they had to do was hear the beat in their head. And they, I actually had a parent, she came into her field day my first year, and she said that she actually listened to that CD more than her son did. She said she, <laughs> she keeps it on in her car. Awesome. All right, now you're going to have to share a lyric or two. <sighs> Do you have your um, Bigger Dreamer theme song ready to go for us? Oh, you want the whole thing? All right, let's see. Um, all right, so the course is... Big dream, bigger, got great things to achieve. You can do all things, you just gotta believe. Dream big, dream bigger, got great things to achieve. You can do all things, you just gotta believe. Belief is a powerful tool, like Black & Decker. It seems to make things work from good to better. Teamwork makes the dream work, let's work together. Many hearts, one goal. Bursts of a feather to fly past the heavens to our hearts' desires. Let our dreams and our passion ignite the fire to fulfill your purpose and ignite some change. Help some lost soul back to the right lane. Show them dreams can come true if they just believe. Life is what you make it based off how you perceive. I perceive it to be, therefore it is to me. And I'ma keep fighting hard to fulfill my dreams. All right. Yeah. 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 
speaking of social media, you've developed quite a following on social media. Um, how does this following and social media impact the work that you do? Looking at Twitter, for example, I feel like Twitter for education is a great platform for ideas to be shared, um, to connect with people and network with you know, like-minded people. So a lot of ideas that I've been able to implement have come from people on Twitter. I've been able to connect with people on Twitter and actually go to conferences and like go to ISTE and present with these people at ISTE. All through just talking to them on Twitter. Through Twitter. Through Twitter. And then it's crazy when you, you're following somebody on Twitter and then you meet them somewhere at a conference or something like that at ISTE. It's, hey, I know you and you really feel like you know this person. Like there's a genuine connection there. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways to develop those connections on Twitter besides just clicking the follow button? <laughs> Taking part in Twitter chats helps a lot because with the Twitter chats, you get to have these conversations with people. Figure out how they think and how you're similar and you know how, and build those connections that way. Mm -hmm. Or even just looking at what they post in your stream and then going back and replying and responding to other people. So developing that two-way communication right, instead right. of just kind of lurking on yeah, Twitter, you know, actually participate a little bit. Yeah, you got to be an active participant in your learning, you know? Okay. <laughs> With your social media, how, I know transitioning from the college you into social media into the professional you in social media can be you know, something that a lot of us are maybe struggling with because, you know, we had Twitter in college or we, mm -hmm. you know, had our Facebook, Instagram, whatever the case may be when we were younger and now we're professionals and so we're trying to rebrand ourselves or bring ourselves to that professional level. So can you talk to us a little bit about yes. how to do that? <laughs> yes. So actually it helped me a lot when I was in college. Uh, one of my mentors used to always tell me, you know, dress or act like the position that you want not where you are now so i had to go and do a lot of that purging of different posts that i had in in high school mm -hmm. and the beginning of college i had to take that out i didn't want that to be you know what people saw when they looked at me because i wanted them to see where i wanted to be mm -hmm. um so i had to go back and make that was step one mm -hmm. take it all out purging of the social media yeah <laughs> And then part of it was after that, you have to kind of think about it. Like, would my future employer, since I'm looking at where I want to be, would my future employer be okay with this before you post it? So it's a lot of times I want to post things or I may want to post things and I don't. Right. And then keeping in mind too, everything isn't meant for social media. Right. So what are some of those things that you're talking about that are not meant for social media that we shouldn't post? Ooh. Um, so some things that aren't meant for social media. I guess looking at the language that you're using, a lot of times I say, if my mama wouldn't be okay with this as well, like, you know, I don't think my mama would be okay with some of those things that I see on social media if I put it out there. Right. Um, what would anything be some things oh. that you would post? Some things Let's that go I on there. would post. <laughs> The sharing of ideas, positivity, really. Mm -hmm. What you put out is what you get back. Right. So putting out that positivity and promoting others, that's also a big thing to try to do. Just remember, what you put out, it comes back to you. You put out negativity, it'll come back to you. We talked a lot about some tips for newbies to Twitter. What are some sparks 
for somebody who's been on Twitter and has kind of not laid low active. a little bit or not been as active more recently? What are some ideas that you have to share to get them back into that environment of networking and sharing ideas? Um, join a Twitter chat. Then that'll kind of guide you in what to say and connect you with people automatically who are on that same wavelength. Can you explain the different types of Twitter chats? The, the regular Twitter chat it has a moderator, and the moderator just kind of posts questions, and all of the participants just respond to those questions, and it creates that conversation. And you all use the same hashtag, right? Yes, everybody uses the same hashtag. So, for example, one that happens every Tuesday is Teach SC, and it's just teachers from across the state who respond to questions about a certain topic every Tuesday, and I think it's from eight to nine every Tuesday. But then you have your slow Twitter chat, and your slow chat could take take over a span of about a week or so, maybe a couple of days to a week, and those questions are posted, and people just kind of respond as they see fit. And I would also say to follow hashtags. Mm, that's good. Find what you're passionate about, find a hashtag, follow that hashtag. You'll see people posting ideas and things dealing with that hashtag or that idea. And connect with those people you can also post and have other people see what you're thinking what are some of those hashtags that you have found to be most inspirational well one um like i said the teach sc because then a lot of people just from across the state that not only doing the chat but you know all day every day are posting different ideas and things that they're doing across the state also love sc schools that's another good one um and that's from S-C-A-S-C-D. Mm-hmm. And another one, this is actually, I'm part of the 2019-2020 um, S-C-A-S-C-D Emerging Leader Cohort. Oh, yes. And we created one called Emerged to Lead. That's lowercase E-M-E-R G capital E capital D. You get it for E-D? <laughs> the number two, lead. Emerged to lead. All right, Mr. Kelly, so here we are at the end of our iTalks Illuminating Conversations podcast, and we've appreciated our time together. What final thoughts? Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) What are your final thoughts that you may have for our audience? Live without fear. Take those chances, you know. Don't be too afraid to step outside the box if you see it's what's best for your students. That's great. That's great. Thank you again, Mr. Kelly. No problem. Thank you all for having me. <laughs>